Welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. I'm your host, Amber. My vision for this podcast is to showcase experts in the keto carnivore community, as well as those who have compelling stories that inspire and give others hope. My wish is that no one has to suffer like I did. If you find value in this podcast, please consider subscribing and hitting that notification button. And as always, feel free to share. Thank you so much for your support. Hi, I'm Amber, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us, Rebecca Farmer. She is a health and life coach who has had the most extraordinary health journey. I have never heard anything like this, and and I'm so excited to be able to talk to her about it. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Amber. I'm excited to have you. I, I just find your story, like, incredibly uh, inspirational and hopeful to other people who may have some of the issues you had. So I'd like to start off with you talking about your health background and getting into the nitty gritty. I want people to know what you went through and so we can get to where you are now. So go for it. Just, just tell us everything. I don't care how long it takes, say everything. All right. So Started in sixth grade, I was diagnosed with osteoporosis, which is a very young age to be diagnosed with that. And in seventh grade, I came, I was suffering from severe mood disorders. Um, This was right after my family had picked up and moved to a totally new state. You know, I left my childhood roots, all my friends in sixth grade. It's a really hard time. Not to mention, I started my period the day that we drove the truck and moved. It was horrible. So I was living in a hotel. I was, you know, trying new schools. I I had no sense of consistency or control. And um, I do think that trauma has to do with what I've been through. Um, So anyway, seventh grade, I was diagnosed with OCD anxiety, insomnia, narcolepsy, depression, um, and I think I said ADHD. Um, And I was put on Adderall, clonazepam, and Ambien. And at that time, they said, these are not addictive. You can take these long-term and you're good. And um, that's, I mean, Ben's openings, you should not be taking for more than 30 days. So just the fact that they told me that I'm still, it blows my mind. Um, I was continuously getting sick. I was always getting sick growing up. Um, I had asthma even before the osteoporosis. I mean, very young age and diagnosed with failure to thrive more than once by multiple different doctors that were not in communication with each other. And that was a really kind of scary diagnosis to get when you're young. It's like failure to thrive. That indicates nothing good. And they had no nothing for that. Um, so I would just get sick a lot. And of course they would give me antibiotics and that was the answer to everything until seventh grade. And they said, okay, get on these prescriptions. So I took those, I took those for 13 years and I continued to get worse. Um, my weight started to drop eventually because of the Adderall and right at, um, right at the end of high school, I was rushed to the emergency room because I felt like I was having a heart attack. And so they diagnosed me with Costco chondritis, which is inflammation of the chest tissue and degenerative disc and, and anxiety. Um, they had to pump me full of morphine and send me home and just say, you know, continue to take your benzopidines. 
they prescribed me opioids and pain meds. Um, and they said, yeah, you can take these two. And I tried them and I felt like a zombie. Um, so I didn't take them. Thank goodness. And so I just, I kept running into more chronic pain and digestive issues. I had digestive issues for most of my life and I didn't talk about it because I thought it was normal. You know, I didn't feel comfortable just talking about my poop and that I felt sick and uncomfortable whenever I ate. I thought it was just a normal thing that people go through. And um, so I eventually saw some gastroenterologists and they diagnosed me with diverticulitis, um, slow transit colon, IBS, IBD, and true celiac. So it was kind of a relief when I got these diagnoses. It's like, okay, maybe I'll have some relief and you know, not be in pain when I eat. Um, but they didn't have any solution for me. They told me to eat. Uh, I don't remember exactly what they told me to eat at that time, but later on, they told me to eat rice cakes and popcorn and things that made no sense whatsoever. Not to mention there was no protein mentioned. Um, so I was very blessed to grow up with a relative who I won't mention her name, um, but she is very versed in the ketogenic diet and she taught me a lot about it. So I was doing keto from a young age, which is awesome. My mom never gave us high sugar foods. She never let us drink pop. Um, I mean, I was lucky if I got chocolate chips in my peanut butter sandwich, you know, which is great. So I would say I was paleo and then I was keto for over 15 years, truly. So when I started getting all these issues, um, well, actually I'll back up after the chronic pain, I continued to do keto, stayed on my meds. I tried to get off of them multiple times, but I kept going back on them because I was going through stuff. Um, you know, I went through, I, I got engaged and he cheated on me and in our apartment and I was young. And, um, I just, I didn't have a drive. I didn't have, I didn't know what my calling was. I felt very, I just felt like I was floating through life. And so I kept taking the meds because it was like, at least I can function. You know, I was like a zombie and they stole a lot of my personality and I didn't know who I was in Christ. I didn't know my potential and I had a lot of heartbreak, a lot of anxiety, you know, all those mood disorders were real. I had OCD to the point where I wanted to tear out of my own skin. You know, it just, it just enslaved me and thoughts would just run through my mind over and over on repeat or like lines in songs, you know, it was like, I couldn't even hear my own thoughts. Um, so I kept taking the meds cause it was like, I have to function and this is the only solution. So after high school, um, I started real estate. I got engaged again and I was planning a wedding, working full time. And I went through wisdom tooth removal surgery and they put me on antibiotics and pain meds afterwards. So I took those and I believe that was the last straw of my gut because right after that, my central nervous system, it burnt out. I mean, I was bed bound with crippling suffocation and anxiety attacks on a regular basis, I was losing my mind. I was rushed to the emergency room over and over. I would call my parents to come over and massage me 
I felt like I couldn't breathe. Um, and I drove away my fiance. I mean, he had his issues for sure, but I was a monster and I pushed him away and I secretly wanted him to fight for me, but I was scared. I was terrified of what was going on. I had no idea. I had no control. And I just wanted to know, like, are you going to stay with me through all this? Because I'm losing my mind. And, you know, he didn't for a good reason. I was a monster. Um, and it wouldn't have worked out. We would have been just very unhappy. There was total chaos. So I moved back in with my parents um, for a second time. And I, I mean, I was sleeping with my mom in my parents' bed. I couldn't be alone. And I was trying to wean off of the medications. So at this time I reached out to my relative who knows a lot about keto. And I said, I need help. So she helped me with a more strict version of the ketogenic diet. I really, you know, buckled down. I was like, okay, I'm going to actually look at macros and pay attention to this stuff. Um, and that did start to help. Um, and I started working with functional medicine doctors as well. It's like, I'm not, these other doctors have nothing for me. And they're just going to tell me that I'm crazy for not taking my meds. Um, so that's when I uncovered a plethora of autoimmune issues, Hashimoto's, Addison's disease, fibromyalgia, Raynaud's, and shortly after chronic Lyme disease and central sensitization syndrome. Um, and honestly, I was relieved. <laughs> I mean, just to have a diagnosis and to know that I wasn't a crazy person and I felt like I had hope because, you know, at least they were telling me that there's a reason I was feeling this way. Um, one of the, the rheumatologists that diagnosed me with central sensitization syndrome, they said that people like me could not be put in a box and labeled. And that meant so, so much to me because that's all I had ever been. And they said, continue with your holistic healing, you know, at least it's giving you some hope. They already knew I wasn't going to take any meds and they said, good luck. So I just continued to work with these doctors, looked into the Lyme disease clinics. Those treatments were beyond what I could ever afford. And I did not have peace about it. I didn't have peace about, you know, they diagnosed me, but then they were like, okay, so here's your treatment. It's thousands of dollars each week. That's not sustainable. So I walked away and I just decided God is going to provide, but this is, this isn't possible. My family can't pay for it. They're not going to, I can't pay for it. And it did, it was unsettling. You know, I, I did the IV treatments a couple of times, just like two or three times. And when I did that, I spoke with some of the other patients and they were just, it really turned me off how they were identifying with this disease. Mm -hmm. And they were defeated and they had already accepted that the rest of their lives were going to be like this. They felt they, it was, they were too comfortable. And that really, that's, that's what turned me off. And that's why I said, see ya, I'm not, I'm not going to live that way. I'd rather be crazy. Um, and I'm not, you know, not to say that they aren't helpful for many people, but that's, that was my experience. Um, I also received ozone therapy in New York city for an entire month, someone hooked me up and I didn't feel anything. I got PRP, 
in that same trip, someone hooked me up. I've been really blessed with connections. And these are things that are supposed to help significantly. And they didn't make any difference. Um, not that I'm ungrateful for them, but it was like, this is not the answer. So as I did the stricter version of the ketogenic diet, I did experience some relief with the chronic fatigue that I had. Um, I was able to get out of bed and I felt a little less crazy. I stopped having the seizures that I was having. I mean, I couldn't drive. I was, I would try to drive and I would pull over on the side of the road um, when I felt like I was going to have a seizure, which is very dangerous. So I don't think anyone should do that. Um, so yeah, I started to experience relief. And at that time I actually reversed the Hashimoto's and Addison's disease. Mm. This was before carnivore. And the thing that I remember doing the most was ramping up my calories like crazy because I recognized the fact that I was underweight. I wasn't severely underweight yet, but I was underweight. And I just, I knew that fat fueled our hormones and I knew that my body was already in a place of fight or flight. So I just, I slammed down the calories <laughs> and I started taking iodine and selenium. Um, and shortly after I retested for Addison's and Hashimoto's and they were gone. Um, but I continued to get very sick. And so I continued what I was doing. I thought that the keto diet was the answer. You know, I thought it was like God's gift to me and I was going to do this forever. And eventually it would heal everything, especially with the hope of Hashimoto's and Addison's going away. It's like, okay, this is, this is a sign. This is what I'm doing is right. Um, but I started to lose significant amounts of weight. And this went on for over a year before one of my doctors finally tested me for C. diff, came back positive, And I was relieved because I had been, I've been misdiagnosed with an eating disorder more times than I can count by, even by a neurologist that recommended the ketogenic diet for people. They said, you have an eating disorder. You don't need to be doing keto. And I was like, well, I'm having seizures, (laughs) you know? Um, So I, I continued to lose weight. I took 13 rounds of antibiotics for the C. diff. I was resistant to all of them. I had to take each one like three times, resistant to all of them. And at that point, I was approved to have a fecal transplant. Um, And it came back negative. It didn't work the first time. So I was approved for another. And it came back, or I'm sorry, it came back negative the second time. So it had actually taken care of the C. diff. Um, and that was fantastic. And that was like two months of total hope, like, okay, I'm going to conquer this. I'm going to make it out. And then two months later, I could tell, I think the day that it took over again, I felt like a different person. And so I told my doctor, I think we need to retest. And sure enough, it had taken back over. Um, so I had a third fecal transplant and it was still there. And that's when they told me it has seeded in your gut and you might consider doing at home transplants for the rest of your life. And, um, and that was pretty much it. So at this time, this is, this is May of last year. 
I had just moved from North Carolina to Illinois because I met someone on eHarmony. Um, I was very transparent about everything in my profile. I was like, I'm, I've got autoimmune issues. I believe that God is going to bring me through this. I am, you know, you could see that I was very thin. Um, and so I thought, you know, I don't have, I didn't have any ties at home because my family believed that I had an eating disorder. It was very toxic and very painful. Um, and they actually forced me to stay in a hospital for an entire month to be treated for an eating disorder. And that wrecked. I mean, when I came out of there, I, I had the keto rash for the first time, which I think is a lot of oxalate dumping. My labs were to so much worse when I got out of there. I mean, I already had chronic Epstein-Barr and all these crazy things, but that was a nightmare to see my labs after that. So um, that's why I decided I don't have any ties. I'm going to move to Illinois with this guy who, you know, is a Christian. He seems like a good fit. I met him once and I picked up everything I had and I came here and turns out he, um, he was a narcissist and um, he doesn't, he didn't know how to love others. And I still pray for him to this day. It was a very, very bad situation. So I had gotten myself into domestic abuse and I was already so sick and I was just, it was a horrible, scary time. And I, I didn't know how to gain weight. I was involuntarily throwing up. I had developed ulcerative colitis due to the C. diff. Um, and I developed a binge eating disorder because the sight of my emaciated body was so triggering. You know, it was just like, I have to eat to save my life. So I tried to do it very methodically. You know, I would spend my entire afternoon preparing keto foods and um, setting up, you know, the living room with plenty of water because it was just, I was in pain every time I ate. So I had to make it this big thing. Um, and that was really bad. And there was a bit of just self-sabotage in that because sometimes it was like, I would stay up until the wee hours of the morning or even through the next day. And I knew that I would be like in a coma. And that was like the only relief that I had from this nightmare that I was in. Uh, but even still, I knew that God was with me. I couldn't, my faith is one thing that has never, um, stopped. I can't deny God's existence in my life. Um, but I did, I felt very, very alone. So, um, I contacted women's shelters, almost ended up in a women's shelter, but I had gotten so sick to the point where I was like, I need to get myself away from this person and I need to fix myself because I wasn't even thinking clearly. So I checked myself into an emergency room, um, at a time that I could tell my electrolytes were off and sure enough, they were, they were off all the time. Um, and I ended up in three emergency rooms back to back. And at this point I was asking them, treat me with an eating disorder, put me in this program and refeed my body because I can't do it on my own. I was terrified and they couldn't do it because I had the C. diff infection and I have to be held in isolation. So they're just holding me in isolation in the ER and, um, you know, sending up the trays of carbohydrates and crap food. 
And finally, I reached out to the dietitian in there privately. I said, you've got to let me try this all meat diet. I've heard about it. I've tried it before, but I've never been able to stick with it. And I just knew, I knew in the back of my head that I had to give it a shot and she agreed. And so she got me in touch with the chef in the kitchen and they were sending up multiple entrees of meat, eggs, and butter to my room throughout the day. I was throwing away the crap that they were sending up and I had to fill out the slip and say, yes, I ate it but I was just throwing it away and hiding it in the trash can. Mm -hmm. And I was hoarding these foods in my room and I got away with it because I was being held in isolation. Um, So after a week of that, I gained four pounds and not to mention within like two days, my blood sugars were so stable, no more glucagon shots, no more hypoglycemia. I mean, I, I still have the post in my Instagram of this, this occurrence. I remember it like it was today. I was talking with um, multiple people through Instagram. They were encouraging me, but no one really had like specific advice. So I just went all in and I was like, I'm going to do this carnivore diet and do it my way this time because I had tried it eight times before. I tried just beef, salt, and water and I failed each time. It was too restrictive and I felt worse. So I, this was the first time that I had looked at it with a new pair of eyes. It's like, I need to make this sustainable for me and I need to gear it towards my own bio-individual needs. So, um, after, you know, that success in the emergency room, the dietitian told the doctor and the doctor said, go home and do your weird all meat diet. And that's what I did. I went back. I was a much more resilient person. Like the light bulb went off my mood and energy picked up within two weeks, but even just coming back home, I had so much more confidence to face what I was facing there. And I was like, no, you you can't talk to me that way. And I'm going to get out of this. I didn't know how, but I had a new confidence. My brain was already working much better. It was so encouraging, you know, not, not involuntarily throwing up whenever I ate, it was like, okay, have some stability and control now. So I just ran with it and I made it my own. I was making hyper palatable foods on purpose so that I could eat at a surplus. Like I couldn't eat steak for the first five months. It was way too filling. So I was doing, and I was just intuitive with it. I was making meat broth with pig ears and chicken feet. And, um, I was air frying fish skins, which are really amazing. Um, and they're free too. And lots of lamb, beef. And I just, I put away my glucose monitor for some time because I knew that my blood sugar was going to be a little bit higher because of the protein. I mean, there was a time in my life where I couldn't tolerate more than 30 grams of protein per day. And my blood sugar would, you know, be in the 130 or something crazy. So I, I just, I put it away. Cause it's like, I have to do this. I have to gain weight. That was my priority. And everything else just came together. Um, I found someone very, very, very kind, allowed me to live with them in their Airbnb with six bedrooms and one bathroom for free while I was healing. And, um, and they encouraged me. And eventually I got out of there into my own place. And I, had already, I already knew that I wanted to be a health coach in 2017. 
but that right after I decided that I was diagnosed with Lyme disease and I was prohibited to work due to my medical instability. Um, I was in real estate and my doctor said, you can't, you cannot work anymore. Um, and so I had to put it on the back burner. And so as I started to heal, it's like, okay, I'm ready. Like, and I've just improved. I've progressively healed since then. You know, I checked in with my rheumatologist here, um, probably once a month when I got back from that hospital, that emergency room and the, all of the autoimmune markers just started dropping off like flies. It was crazy. I thought that it was fake. He calls it a miracle. All of my doctors here say it's a miracle. Um, they, they were the ones that did the last fecal transplant and it is, it's a miracle. My labs are textbook. Perfect. I am thriving more than I ever have in my life. I don't just mean my body and how I feel. I mean, my heart, you know, my, my mind works, but it's my heart. Like I am free. I'm free from this bondage that I've had my entire life and it held me back. And I felt like God was, I didn't feel like he was punishing me, but I felt like I was someone who that was just a person who just was going to suffer forever. And I just kind of accepted that and it didn't feel good. And, um, and now I am able to help other people who also know what it's like to feel hopeless and to be told this, this is a chronic diagnosis. It's irreversible. I was told that I was going to die or that I probably wouldn't live past 30 years old because of the crest scleroderma that I developed and it was rapidly taking over my body. Um, it was taking over my lungs and it can, this can wrap itself around your internal organs and kill you. Um, so yeah, I'm still, I'm still on cloud nine and I don't know if I'll ever come back down. This is something like, you know, this is like, it's a wonderful life. You know, you just kind of turn into this person, like nothing can touch me. I wake up with a smile on my face. I sleep so well. I feel excellent. I have gained 65 healthy pounds. I lift really have, I mean, I used to not be able to hold my own head up and now I am hip thrusting 190 pounds in just, you know, a little over one year. So I am here to share my testimony and share what God did in my life. I truly believe that when we remove the interference and remain open-minded and have faith, um, our bodies will heal themselves. It's so true. And um, I will also say that affirmations have helped me a lot. They helped me continue to believe, you know, speaking truth and healing over my life instead of sickness and fear. When we, when our bodies hear something out loud enough times that it starts to obey, it actually creates physiological changes and this applies to anyone. You don't have to have the same faith that I do. This is science. <laughs> um, so, you know, just being mindful of my words and my thinking patterns and um, started taking cold showers and all this stuff. It does, it does help, but I'm just, um, like I said, I'm still on cloud nine and I'm just so grateful and I'm helping other people. And I get to witness these miracles that happen in other people. Mm -hmm. And I, I have the experience now to help people troubleshoot and identify what works best for them. Carnivore is so powerful because it removes the anti-nutrients and it is providing the most 
bioavailable nutrients possible. In that hospital, they said, you need to be hooked up to a feeding tube. We have to remove your colon. And all I needed was meat and to remove all of the other stuff. Um, so anyways, sorry. That is, that no, no, that's amazing. And I, I hate, but I love your story at the same time because it, I mean, you live through complete utter hell and you've come out and you're this radiant, beautiful person who has so much life and so much to give to other people that that is amazing. But I do believe that because of our struggles, it makes us who, uh, who we are. And, yes. and, you know, I, I didn't have anywhere near the background you have not even close, but I know how that shaped who I am today and why I do what I do, because I don't want anybody else to have to suffer as long as I did before, you know, <laughs> before you figure it out. Right. Yeah. And your story to me, when I first heard it, I was like, you couldn't even make this up and make a Hollywood movie out of this because it's too far-fetched. It is not believable because it is so much. No single person could possibly go through that. It's like, you know, when, when somebody has something happen and then you're like, oh, that's terrible. Then something else and you're like, oh, that's really bad. And then uh, uh, over and over until you finally get to the point where you're like, oh, come on. Oh, really? that's where it came to. I mean, not to interrupt you, but I, so... I was seeing chiropractors like oh, for a long time. And one of the chiropractors, their STEM unit, one of the pads was broken. So I ended up with open gaping wounds on my back. I didn't, I didn't make the connection and they were electrical burns. And so I had like bleeding wounds like this big, all over, I have scars still. Oh um, but my auto, my doctor at the time, she thought it was an autoimmune thing. She's like, we have to biopsy these and send them go to a dermatologist. And, but it, at that point I was like, I'm not even phased. I was like, okay. <sighs> you know, I just, I wasn't, nothing surprised me. I started to become like numb. I, I can imagine. Totally like that. Yeah. I mean, how could you not? I mean, seriously, you've been through what a hundred people, you know, if they all had one thing, good gosh. So I, you know, I am so inspired by you. I think it's just so amazing what you've been through. Now there's something I want to back up and talk about. And, and I heard you talk about this somewhere else and you kind of uh, just kind of barely mentioned it in a way mm -hmm. you were diagnosed with an eating disorder before you had an eating disorder. I want to know how that happened, why that happened and what you were going through when you were living with your parents. And cause I understand your parents kind of forced that upon you. Right. Yeah. So I want to talk um, about that. I mean, there was a point where I was thinner than 69 pounds and it was when I was taking the Adderall and I had a really bad breakup at the end of high school rumors were spread about me. People were anonymous. People were harassing me online, calling me a Holocaust whore. And I lost most of my friends because of these nasty rumors. And he came back around and apologized five years later. Wow. Um, but that was really painful. And I did stop eating, but I was not trying to lose weight. I was just numb. I was mm. in so much pain. And mm. Um, that was when my family started saying, you know, you're, you have an eating disorder and I would say they were accurate, but I was not trying to starve myself. I didn't even look in the mirror. I was seriously in pain. Um, I was staying up for five, five days at a time. I was totally wired on these meds. 
And I mean, I was dealing with mania and um, I was angry at my family for accusing me of that because it was like, can you not see that I'm in so much pain? It has nothing to do with my appearance. You know, I couldn't eat, I was heartbroken. Um, and that is what started the, the, um, the eating disorder accusation. I gained weight after that, you know, I healed my heart. I started gaining weight again. Um, and when I started losing, losing weight again, because of the C diff, I, I was checked into a hospital and at the At the emergency room, when they ask, are are you having any thoughts of hurting yourself? I said, well, yes and no, because I have autoimmune disease and essentially my body is harming itself. Um, And they took that the wrong way. And I was sent Mm -hmm. to the psych ward. I was stuck in a rubber room for hours. Then they sent me to the trauma unit. Then they sent me to the crisis unit. And when they were holding me there, I told one of the nurses very openly that I was doing the ketogenic diet for my autoimmune disease. It was the only thing that had, you know, alleviated being bed bound. And she took that and ran with it. So she held me there for days. And while she was petitioning with other doctors to have me sent to the eating disorder unit. Um, so that was very, very deceptive. And I didn't even know that they could do that in a hospital. And she snuck, she snuck behind my back. She, she talked to my mom. Um, I remember right after she told my mom, because I walked up to my mom and she just was, she wasn't talking to me. She looked like a ghost. And she finally told me, she's like, the nurse just told me that your stomach is too small and that you cannot refeed properly. Um, and so they forced me to go to the eating disorder unit. They told my mom that they could not, that she couldn't trust anything I said and that I was going to die otherwise. So that's why my parents held me there. Um, They didn't want me to die. And I was calling, I'm writing a book about this experience. I was calling my mom nonstop. I was calling my doctor. She wouldn't pick up her phone. I just felt so alone and abandoned and scared. scared. And I was telling them, I mean, the dietitian in the eating disorder unit, I was like, I've got to do keto. And she sympathized with me. She's like, I believe that you have autoimmune issues, but in this unit, you are in a, um, like in an acute setting. Our only goal is to keep you alive. Um, they tested my blood sugar eight times a day. They fed us six times a day. It was 75% carbohydrates. I was starving Mm. for fat. The only fat they had was butter. I was lucky if it was real butter, you know, and peanut butter, And, um, I was eating fruit, I think four to six times a day. I had so many apples. I was just, I had an apple cutter on me all the time to cut all slice all my apples. Um, and I was just in so much pain, you know, with the fibromyalgia and all of the autoimmune issues, Mm -hmm. I was in constant inflammation. They put me back on my sleep meds in the hospital. Um, I didn't go to the restroom once I did not poop once in an entire month until they gave me a bottle of magnesium citrate. And when I asked them, you know, what do you expect me to do? Do you really expect me to go home and keep eating this way and not 
poop. And they were like, it'll, it'll work itself out eventually. Um, so refeeding truly is a complicated process, but if they would handle it differently and prioritize protein and take away the thing that is stimulating insulin, it's, it would just solve this picture. And I experienced that when I did carnivore, the refeeding process was so much better, so much better, so much easier. Not to mention, I didn't deal with mania and I was okay with the weight gain. The first, you know, when I gained weight in that hospital, I will openly admit it felt very uncomfortable. I was bloated beyond belief. Mm -hmm. I was so uncomfortable in my body. Um, they, the mirrors were all blurred out. You couldn't see anything. Um, there were people in wheelchairs. I didn't even understand. I was like, why is there a chair in the shower? And I realized I'm with all these people who are so malnourished and emaciated that, I mean, we're near death. People were being flown in by helicopter. And that really, it woke me up and I was scared. Wow. Um, so yeah, so when it came back home, I was I was required to work with eating disorder therapists. I was lucky that I didn't end up in like a step down program or a residential treatment. I actually checked myself out against medical advice after one month. And um, my parents were saying, you know, in the beginning they were saying, if you check yourself out, you'll be homeless. You won't have anywhere to live. So I stayed for a month. I put on 15 pounds and that's when I said, I cannot do this any longer. And they allowed me to come back if I agreed to work with eating disorder therapists and nutrient and dietitians. Um, so it, it was a nightmare living at home after that. My mom was watching me like a hawk. Every time I was in the kitchen, I ended up eating in the dining room where no one was just so they couldn't watch me. Um, and you better bet I went right back to keto. And I told my dietitian, I said, I need to do this if I'm going to, you know, be able to function at all. Um, and so she allowed me and she just kept held me accountable. Are you eating enough? And I was eating more than enough. And at one point I was eating 6,000 calories and still losing weight, but even still I was being misdiagnosed with an eating disorder. So this went on, it just went on forever. And the binge eating, it was kind of like a slap in the face. It was like, now I actually have an eating disorder because I've been so traumatized by all of this. And um, I mean, it, it took over my life. I got in the worst car accident of my life. I was totally numb, just binging during a binge episode. Um, and it did, it took over and I'm completely healed of that. I do not struggle with binging at all, but I have experienced it to the point where it took over. Like, it's like I was possessed. Um, so, yeah. Do you harbor any resentment towards your parents at all? No, or what did you feel no. like when you were going through it? Were you angry with them or did oh, you just, yeah, I was very angry. And I, um, some people helped me get into an apartment because I couldn't live there. The dynamic was so toxic. Um, I won't get into the details, but it was bad, bad arguments all the time. My mom was hiding in her bedroom pretty much all day because we couldn't be around one another. Wow. We were so misunderstood and um, they wanted me to see a family therapist with them. And of course she was, she specialized in eating disorders and I felt like they were all plotting against me and I, I fired her 
And I, I mean, I was like, I can't, I can't work with you because all she wanted to talk about was eating disorders. And I, I was happy to do family counseling with my parents. I wanted to restore this relationship, but what I had to say is not what she wanted to hear. What I had to say was I have autoimmune disease and I need someone to help me and believe me, you know, and she wouldn't have that. She wanted to, I don't know if they get kickbacks or payoffs if they check someone into a eating eating disorder treatment, but that's what I felt like. Um, So I got away from that. And so eventually I moved out because the pressure was too much. It was like, if you're under this roof, you have to do this, this, and this, and that. And I couldn't heal doing that. Um, and so when I moved out, we just didn't talk. Um, and when I moved away, they did help me pack up on that moving day. And I didn't, I didn't know if I would ever see them again. I mean, I was, I was so emaciated and sick and it was very hard because I was leaving my niece and I didn't want the last time she saw me to was this weak, emaciated person. So that, that became um, a huge why for me, you know, to get strong and to not give up is I want my niece to see that women are strong and they can overcome whatever they want. And if, if someone's going to say this and that about me, I know my truth and staying true to yourself through all of that, eventually it's going to shine through. And so, um, I saw my mom for the first time since I got healthy again last summer and she was just Mm -hmm. in tears we spent a couple of days at the beach together and um, it was so awesome. I mean, our friendship has, our relationship has never been so good. Same with my dad and my sister. Um, so no, I don't have any resentment. I, if I were a parent, I probably would have done the same thing. They were afraid for my life. Mm-hmm. And there was a point in my life where I didn't eat around them on purpose begrudgingly because they didn't recognize that I was in so much emotional pain. I held a grudge for them moving from Michigan, you know, during my childhood, pulling me away from my friends. Mm -hmm. I was angry. I was angry, emotional, and I didn't have any problem not eating. I didn't have an appetite. So I, you know, I, I didn't give in to their pressure. Like I remember a trip we took to Michigan Um, and we all stopped for food and I just wasn't hungry. And I got some almonds, some roasted almonds. And my mom was like, you're, you're doing that eating disorder thing again. And that made me so angry. And so for the rest of that trip, I didn't eat around them. Um, and I waited until I was visiting with my friends and sure enough, you know, I had a giant burrito in Ann Arbor and it was awesome. Um, but that's, you know, I I was just angry and I didn't like that. They were already looking at me and judging me. And so I didn't want to give them satisfaction of being like, okay, well, I'll eat around you because you're encouraging me. Like, no, (laughs) I was so angry. I was misunderstood. Um, so yeah, I understand where they were coming from. I do. Yeah. And, And, you know, being a parent, I can understand that too, but being that I myself actually have had an eating disorder and, you know, trying to, I I would be very resentful of that and, you know, angry and 
I, I remember feeling very watched when it was discovered. And so I can, I can understand on a very small level <laughs> of what you've gone through. And, and that is really tough though. Um, I, I just couldn't even imagine being, you know, forced to go through something when that really wasn't the diagnosis. That really wasn't what your issue was. <laughs> well, not until later. Especially yeah. in the hospital when they, we had um, like cognitive behavioral therapy and we had these sessions. I mean, it was a really good structure for people who really needed it. Um, but they told us that, you know, if, if you're sensitive to gluten, it's all in your head. And what they taught us in there, it messed with my head and it was very traumatizing. So when I started binging, I tried to convince myself that it was all in my head. I wanted that to be the answer because I desperately wanted to gain weight. I was like, what if I just give in and I say, it is a, what if it is an eating disorder? I had already searched my heart in the hospital. I knew it wasn't, but I was so desperate that I, I wanted it to be an eating disorder because it would have been very simple if it were. Um, so I tried to convince myself that it was all in my head and I got Panera and, you know, all the baguettes and gluten. And I just, you know, put myself in a coma. I hurt myself. Mm. And, um, and I, you know, that it didn't get that bad for a long time because it was undeniable, you know, I couldn't make it work. So yeah, really messed, messed with my head major. And I feel bad for many of the people that, um, come out of that treatment and still struggle. Now, I made well, a lot of yeah. really good friends in there, but what we're taught is go home and keep eating these carbohydrates and these things that make you crazy. Yes. <laughs> and dealing with hypoglycemia and blood sugar issues. Like no wonder we're suffering. And you're mental, well, you're mental because when, when your hormones are all wackadoodle, it, yes. it makes it hard for you be, to be able to function and do things, you saying. know, with a clear head. That's crazy. I, I've heard a lot of really bad things about some of these, uh, you know, units or whatever you want to call them, clinics, whatever, uh, dealing with eating disorders and horrifying, horrifying what they're taught. Scary. I'm not saying there's not good ones. I'm not saying people don't benefit mm -hmm. for it with it for some, right. some degree, but some of the horror stories I've heard, I'm like, Oh, thank gosh. I never had to, to actually go into one. Cause that's scary. I, I was messed up enough. What in the world would that have done to me? Where would I be right now? I mean, some of these, my roommate, she had been in 11 different treatments. Um, she's a little older than me and um, thank God she, I don't think she ever went back after we roomed together and we, we're still in touch. Wow. She'll be in the book under a different name. And, but um, another girl I made really good friends with, she was getting shock therapy. Um, and they just, they just treated us like we were crazy and there was nothing wrong with these hyper-processed foods. And, um, you know, I get the intention, but it's not that simple. And it's a crime yeah. to say that it is. It's a crime to call someone crazy for recognizing something that's true. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was, they, they didn't even allow me to stand. Um, I was, you know, with the fibromyalgia, it's, it's hard for me to stand still and sit still for a long period of time. I'm always like, okay, I need to stretch or something. So I was really suffering from that. And um, they didn't allow me to stand. Like I had to be sitting. It was considered exercise. I couldn't stretch while I was sitting. It was considered exercise. Um, and that just, you know, I talked to the doctor every morning. We sat, 
with the doctor in a, in a room. And I told her like, I'm in pain. I need a chiropractor. I need to be able to move and stretch. And she had no sympathy at all. She was like, well, I mean, it was just, it was just meds. It was just giving us meds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that, that, I find that so scary. And, and like I said, some of the stories I've heard too um, are just horrifying. And that sets you up for so much damage later on that right. it's not even funny. And I know, you know, they try to help, but that's just like, you know, with the food guidelines. Okay, of course, I don't really think those were put in place to help anybody. I think it was more to make money for certain people kind of thing, but whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, but... <sighs> Mm, the damage. I can't even imagine. I mean, some of these people coming out and, you know, thank goodness you did not have a complete defeatist attitude that you decided to stand up and fight back and say, no, this isn't going to happen. Now, I know faith played a very huge part in that. Talk just a little bit about that. It held, when I was in that hospital um, and my entire family was against me, my doctor wasn't picking up her phone. Um, I messaged, you know, when I got computer rights, I messaged my friends and they weren't there for me. Um, I had two friends visit me while I was there, but they, you know, they thought that I had an eating disorder too. It wasn't worth, it wasn't, I I finally stopped fighting. I stopped calling my mom and I realized, okay, God, you're all I have. And I, that's, that's when I realized for the first time in my life that there is no human on this earth that won't let you down. And that's when I realized God won't let me down. So my mom got me a a Bible journal. You know, I had like a devotional and a section to journal. And I started using that. I stopped calling her, but I started using that. And I, I still have that journal. And um, it was just a prayer every morning. God, please give me wisdom with the doctor. Help her to believe me. You know, if, if you get me out of here, I promise, you know, I'll never... I'll never hold it against my parents. And I just, I gave it, I gave it all to him. And I said, you're in control because I was scared that I was going to die. And I needed that fear. And that's when I drew really close to God and it became very intimate. And I realized that he knew my heart and it didn't matter what anyone said about me. As long as I was being true to myself, that's all that mattered. I wasn't living a lie. I wasn't lying. I was being true to myself. And as I was doing that, I realized, okay, God, you know, I wanted to be sure that God could work in my life. I didn't want to do anything that would hold back his healing. Um, and he had a purpose for me to go through that. Now I can talk about it. And I met lifelong friends in there. I really did. And I learned a lot about myself with conversations. You know, I was still dealing with body dysmorphia. I would talk to my roommate and we would exercise in the room when the nurses weren't, I mean, the nurses were always patrolling, but we would walk back, we would pace back and forth and I would do yoga and she would do squats and we would talk about our butts. Are they growing? And, (laughs) um, and it was just like, you know, when I let it go and I gave it to God, I was able to take away a lot and I wasn't, I stopped complaining. I stopped fighting it. And I just realized I can, I can be an example for these people. And the, the girl that I mentioned in shock treatment, I made really good friends with her. Um, and she, she wasn't talking to anyone I noticed. 
And so I, I ended up becoming really good friends with her and we would play cards and we are still really, really good buddies. And um, so there's a purpose for what we all go through. And it was that time that I realized, okay, I just have to trust God. He's sovereign. I don't deserve this, but it's not about me. Life is not about me. And that's why I have joy now. It's like, there's a bigger picture. We're here for each other. Um, and that was exciting. It was exciting. That's beautiful. I love that. Thank you for saying that. And, you know, there's, a, I, I feel that in a lot of ways too. And gosh, you, you have to look at it that way because why in the world would you have gone through all this stuff in your life if it wasn't to have some meaning? And, and some, right. you know, hello, the movie signs, right? There's like, yeah. there's a reason for everything that happened. So I, I totally believe that I I've always believed that, but you know, now that I look back in, in what I'm doing now, it's like, okay, that was a horrible time in my life. A lot of bad crap, a lot of bad health, but it's got me to where I am today. And if I wouldn't have gone through that, I would not have the empathy I have now. I wouldn't yeah. have the insight. So you have this plethora of, of you know, of experience and knowledge now and to help so many people. So let's talk a little bit about that. I want to know your journey uh, to becoming the health and life coach that you are now. When did you start that exactly? What have you gone through to get to that point? Yeah. So in 2017, I was like, okay, I'm ready. I know my stuff. I knew keto. I had worked with my relative who she, you know, she ran transformation programs. I knew keto. I knew supplements. I knew, you know, I had reversed Hashimoto's. It's like, I've got this, but then I had to put it on the back burner. I was too sick. So when I got into that Airbnb that I mentioned, um, I realized, okay, eventually I'm going to have to pay to keep a roof over my head. And that's when I looked into health coaching certifications and I took out a personal loan so that I could pay it all off right away and get like a, a discount that they had. And I did like a, a fast tracked program. It took six months, six months. And thankfully I, I knew everything they were teaching me. Um, but what I did learn was the life coaching aspect mm -hmm. and learning how to ask the right questions with people and navigating those things. Um, and that has been awesome because behavior is just as important as nutrition. Nutrition is a great foundation, but if your behavior is not aligned, um, for health and healing, then you could just hold yourself back forever. So, um, yeah, I became certified and I've been working with people since, and it's just been incredible, really incredible. And like yeah. you said, I, I realize for everything that I've gone through, I've been able to help someone because of it. I have people reach mm -hmm. out to me who are also totally misunderstood by people closest to them um, who are trying to gain weight. And I have people say, you know, how, how did you like not hold it against your family? How do you not hate them? And that breaks my heart. And I am able to help them understand, you know, God has grace with you. God had grace with me. I've, I've done horrible things and it's, it's not about us. It's not about me. Um, so anyways, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that, uh, aspect, you know, being able to help somebody else. I think that is so important 
you know, just as a human being, you know, just, yeah. just knowing that somebody could benefit from some of your pain yeah, so that they so don't funny. have to go through it. Yeah, it really is. And you're absolutely right. It's not just the physical. It's not, it's not just the diet. It, it's, it's not, or the exercise. It is the mental, it's the emotional, it's the psychological, it's just so much stuff going on. And that's what I deal with more often than food. Right. <laughs> It's like, you know, that, that is not that difficult. The food part really honestly isn't. It's just trying to, you know, get everything in sync. And then you also have, you know, your sleep and your, you know, stress level and stuff like that. There's so much to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad that, that you have this ability to, to do that and to share, you know, all your knowledge. That's amazing. Let me look at the time. Okay. Let me see if there's anything that, okay. Just real quick. You talked about how you felt that some of the trauma you went through triggered some of this stuff. Yeah. Like, like, you know, your, your parents move, uh, bad relationships, those kind of things. Explain a little bit more about that, because I think a lot of people who struggle with diet and health and et cetera have had a lot of trauma in their life. And one person that talks out about this a whole lot is Jimmy Moore and what he went through. And he's really brought the whole trauma and eating uh, health, you know, together, which that's something you don't really think about so much. I mean, yeah, the mental part, sure, but you don't really think about it affecting your health. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, what we go through affects us. Um, I am working with a client right now who she recently went through a lot of excitement, really good excitement in her life, like getting married during COVID. And, um, you know, they're all good things, but she was really busy and it was still a lot of stress. And she's now realizing, okay, I mean, she's dealing with some digestive issues. And I think it's due to her central nervous system being wound up for an extended period of time. And, and sure enough, she is, you know, she's making changes and making improvements. So it's not always bad stuff that happens to us. It's just our bodies are sensitive to our, our environments. You know, like when I was living at home with my parents, um, that toxic environment, I was constantly in fight or flight. My blood sugars were super high just because of the environment. Um, so think of what trauma does when we go through something, sometimes trauma sticks with us after the fact, that's the point it's traumatizing. Sometimes we have to relive it to heal from it. Um, getting off of benzopidines was traumatizing really like hard. And I had to relive it over and over again. And it's like I had a second wind of withdrawals where I felt like I was losing my mind. Um, So, you know, what we go through, it affects us at a physiological level. And I had to go through that trauma um, that I lived to heal from it. Um, And it definitely, it's like doing it all over again, you know, dealing with it, emotionally processing can still make me very tense. Even, you know, writing my book right now, 
it's traumatizing. I have to, I have to take breaks. Like I will have nightmares and I will dream that my family hates me again. And I'll call my mom crying the next morning. I'm like, I'm so glad, you know, to be awake and things are good. Um, So is the book, you writing this and going through this all over again, is this kind of cathartic for you? I mean, I know it's kind of traumatizing, but yeah. Has it kind of helped you like really consolidate everything and be able yes. to. This awesome. is therapy with myself, awesome. myself and yeah. being able to share the truth and my story. Definitely. I know that other people need to hear it, but it's, it's just so um, it's so therapeutic to get it out on paper and just be like, this is my truth. And now, now people aren't going to say you're a liar and you just have an eating disorder. Um, and it's not revenge, not at all. I don't, I don't have any resentment, but it is, it's nice that the truth always wins. It really does. And, um, I'm counting on that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's awesome. Now I I will say, I, I just bring this up because for people who don't really understand how certain situations can affect you, like health wise, for instance, I was always one that I love to go out and especially go dancing and do these different, go out to eat those kind of things. And we did that. But as soon as this whole lockdown and the mask wearing and all this craziness, it affected me greatly because it, it, I felt, I don't know, just, it, it, it just felt off. And when we would go at still now, when we go out and, and I'm in Texas, so everything is pretty much open for the most part, but there's still like a mask mandate. So you see all these people wearing these masks. You can't see them smile. You can't see yeah. who they are. I find that incredibly disturbing. It is not my new normal. I don't like it. And it makes me not want to leave my house because it feels off. And so there's something, and yes, we have, you know, freedom to do most things. Okay. And that's what my husband always tells me. Well, at least you, you know, we, we are free to do that. All you have to do is wear a mask. Um, okay. No, it's not normal. We are not meant to wear a mask. We are meant to be able to look at people and see them smile and see, you know, it's just off and it affects me. It has caused me stress. It has called me, caused me to feel depressed and it has affected my stress level and in return, my cortisol. And so it, it has just not been a good situation. I've started to put on weight and part of that's menopause too, but some of it is the I know I have high stress. My cortisol is freaking off the charts. So situations like this can absolutely, you know, affect your health and everything that you've gone through so much, it affects your health and you have to find some stress management, some way to be able to deal with your issues. And you writing a book is awesome. Sometimes, you know, if people just write down their stuff in a journal, that helps. Um, so whatever you need to do to be able to, you know, get some relief because it does affect your health. It absolutely does. Mm-hmm. So definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm very glad that you're doing that. Yeah. Thank you. It, it comes out in my posts too on Instagram. I awesome. mean, I write these things. You'd think I would plan them, but like, they're just like, Oh, okay. It's on my heart. Like written in 30, Journal. you know, just right away. Yeah. It's just a cry of my heart. And I am, I am an open book. I don't have anything to hide. I am, I'm not ashamed. You know, I am, I see myself through the way that Christ sees me. So like, yes, I have many imperfections, but this is, 
really good news that a lot of people need to hear. And I'm yes. excited. I'm so excited to help other people. Um, and I'm so excited for you. And I think it's you. amazing your journey. And I think you're an incredibly awesome person. I really do. I have thank the utmost respect remember. and you inspire me and thank you. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It means a lot. It really does. My pleasure. If you want to do a round two, let me know. I would love I it. I really yes. appreciate it. You're on. <laughs> Don't, you, you heard her y'all. <laughs> and hey, <laughs> while y'all are here, go ahead and subscribe to my channel and go follow Rebecca. I'll have all her information below. Um, I think she's somebody that would you would definitely benefit from. So definitely follow her. And Rebecca, Thanks. again, it's been a pleasure. And you have the rest of your day. Be wonderful. Likewise. Thank you. Bye, Rebecca. Bye.